Alrighty, as always, it's time to get to the fan focus. We start off, as always, you mention me, you find your way into the fan focus. It's how this, how it's how this works. Tell every other show out there, just mention me, easy way into the fan focus. So we start with Nick Wilson, who started his show talking about my opinion on Joe Burrow, week one, Browns Bengals. Here we go. JP pitched this great take. He was like, you know, I think uh, I'll be a little disappointed if if Joe Burrow is hurt or misses week one. And in the moment, I was like, yeah, I can I can get behind that. And then I listened to his 7 and 720 segments yesterday on my way home. And the more I heard it, the more, the more I disagreed with it. And so we're going to play a snippet of JP setting up Joe Burrow week one here with that matchup on its way in the regular season, not in the fake preseason, uh, for the Browns and Bengals. I want Burrow in week one. Is it bad that I want to take on Burrow in week one at full strength? If given the option, I'd rather have Burrow at full strength than the easy week one matchup, which would be a backup quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, let's say. The reality is, is that you can't lose to the Bengals backup in week one if Burrow's not healthy enough. Starting off the Kevin Stefanski and the new Deshaun Watson era with a loss of that magnitude, to then go in and play in the next four weeks, you'd play the 49ers, you take on the Steelers, you take on the Ravens. Are you kidding me? It's not waving the white flag in the season after week one. That'd be ridiculous, but it wouldn't make you feel good. Meanwhile, let's Uno reverse card this one. If you beat Burrow week one, you're riding high. There's not a team you don't think you can beat that's on the schedule this year if you take care of Joe Burrow in week one. Okay. So one, I thought it was a great take. I thought he set it up right. I The thing that drives me crazy is when, when people in my line of work say, uh, well, it's a unique take, but I, do, I disagree with it, so I don't like it. Nope. I appreciate JP's unique take, and it was something I had not heard on the Joe Burrow injury, and we had not delved into this. I would simply say, you can't have it both ways. You can't say... A loss to the backup is this great sunken Titanic and it's awful and it's, you know, it's going to give you zero hope and it's going to take the wind out of your sails if you lose to the Bengals backup. And then when we talk about beating the backup, it doesn't have any effect. Like you just can't. Not for game one. If we're talking about the last game of the season, yes, the stakes are different because you have so much more information and there's probably going to be a playoff game riding on the last week of the season when you face off against the Browns and Bengals again. And so that so just starting there. My 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 chief disagreement is you can't say a loss to the backup quarterback for the Bengals would be defeating and 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 have all these negative consequences and then a win over the backup is meaningless. I I maybe it's because I've watched the Browns since 1999. Every win is sacred. I created this segment for reasons like that, where I get to have a take, they talk about the take, whoever it is, and then I get to respond to the take appropriately. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm glad it came through properly, because that's exactly what I was saying. Yes, you lose to the backup quarterback, whoever that ends up being, in week one to the Bengals. That is devastating news. You can't lose to a backup quarterback. I'm sorry. This Browns team cannot afford to do that. And it will be bad to start off the Watson-Stefanski era with a loss. Meanwhile, if you beat Joe Burrow, one of the top two quarterbacks in the NFL, I'll be riding high for weeks. Weeks. There's no way you there's no way you beat Joe Burrow and then lose to the Steelers in week two. There's no way you beat Joe Burrow and then fall down to Kenny Pickett. That's not happening. 
And then, obviously, the Titans are um, as much of a layup as you're going to find in the NFL in week three. And you start the season off 3-0 and before you take on Baltimore. Like, there's so much good that happens with starting off week one with a win. And it would solidify how real this Browns team is. Oh, I just, I fall in love with the take all over again. Silly me, silly me. All right, next up, it's Ken and it's Lima. The two of them talk about comedians they've had on their radio show. I liked Frank Calienda before, but I mm-hmm. really like him now uh, because he he seamlessly puts it in. Like, I don't have to feel like I'm setting him up because he's been on the station certainly like five times now, and he's been on our show a couple of times. And he's- I can't stand when guys set him up. Yeah. But what would uh, Bill Walton, if he were with Michael Corleone and Dick Vitale was there as the waiter, what would that seem like? And, you know, Caliendo's got to be nice because he seems like a really nice guy. He's mm-hmm. like, really? Really? You're having me do you're having me do tr- parlor tricks now? That's that's what I have to do to enter. Okay, fine. I'll do it. That's and he does right. it. Yep. And he actually does it without complaining. But you know that's not what Frank Caliendo wants to do. Okay, you- but what if... What if Mel Kuyper, have- what if Mel Kuyper, Rocky Balboa, he was doing the Rocky draft, and he was and, and, and you're Mel Kuyper, and then Todd McShay comes in, and then Dick Vitale is there too. What would that be like? <laughs> and Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler comes in. So basically, you're there like a Last Supper of yeah. all the impressions. Yeah, that you just do. do all the impressions. Do all the impression, impressions, boys. Just do all the impressions. What was the worst comedian interview you ever did? Come on. Me? Oh, I know. I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it is. I bet I it know hurts who it is. Me. It on hurts this show, me. yeah, it hurts me. Jay Farrow. bingo. Jay Farrow. bingo. Yep, Jay Farrow. Yeah. Kid's best friend, Jay Farrow. Jay, okay, so I'm. He gonna, was great off the air. He was great. And then off we couldn't the air. air anything he said on the air because we had to dump him we a bunch to, of times. We had to keep dumping him. He had no awareness yeah. that this was terrestrial radio. We couldn't do any of that. Not to mention, that was a guy that I think we just ended up setting him up in the exact manner that I just told you I despised. Because the interview was going nowhere. Joe Burrow has a calf strain. We'll talk about it here in a bit. Go we ahead. We weren't getting anything out of him. And he was, it's early. And guys like him are up all night. I understand. I understand. And the SNL thing didn't go well for him. And mm-hmm. he is he is famously perturbed about how that went. How they put him into a box. And they wouldn't let him do all this. So we wanted to delve into that. And there was no funny. And I think at the end, I'm just like, dude, Denzel Washington. <laughs> just just <laughs> do it. That's right. Do, do Shaquille right. O'Neal, do do all your impressions. My, the one I always wanted to have back was Kevin Nealon. We had Kevin Nealon in studio. And that, that hurts me. And I, I didn't hear that. I was, I'm was i still brokenhearted to this day. I'm still, it, it, anytime I watch Kevin Nealon in anything, I see him in Happy Gilmore. My sons love Happy Gilmore. And I'm like, yeah, I was in a studio with that guy, and I totally botched, I botched the entire thing. <laughs> I mean, I effed it up so bad. And I'm just like, this man has no respect for me. He thinks I'm a complete hack. I was sitting across from Kevin. He had respect for him. And I just, I remember because I wasn't listening. And I was like, then what did you do? And he's like, I just told you what I did. I'm like, oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> and there was nothing I could do to get it back until is there, can if you Kevin find- Nealon is ever in town again, please, for the love of God, get him back here as oh. a make. I want that redemption story. I want that make good. I want that to happen for Ken. I love these type of stories. I really do. I don't have... I don't have any bad ones like that that I can think of. I mean, there's been bad interviews, but I don't know. They don't let me talk to enough comedians is the problem here. They, I think they know I'd like it too much. I don't think I've it's – it's the last comedian I've even interviewed. Last one I went really hard for, uh, Sam Morrell, before he really blew up, okay? This was a few years ago. 
He before he blew up, I went after trying to get him on the show because I he had a bit about the White Knight in Cleveland. You can go and look it up. It's on YouTube. He had this bit that I was listening to about a guy named the White Knight that like patrolled the streets of Cleveland. And when I lived downtown, I used to come across this White Knight. So I thought this story was great, and I sent him an email, and I just wanted him to come on and basically talk about the White Knight experience in Cleveland and all that nonsense, and that was a no-go. <laughs> and and I, I think, in hindsight, it was probably best watching him post clips on Instagram of him going on local news stations and just making a complete mockery of the whole thing. I probably wouldn't have handled it as great as I think I would have, and it probably would have gone poorly. So I we're probably happy that didn't happen because I also like Sam as a comedian, and I don't want that experience to be ruined. Now I'm trying to think of the, the, my my all-time comedian wish list. Chappelle would be great. Mulaney, I think, would be awesome. Mulaney was on Hot Ones recently. You know the, the show where they do the chicken and they eat the chicken with the different sauce? And he was exceptional on there. I think John Mulaney would be great. I love Nate Bargatze, but I think Nate Bargatze would be a pretty boring interview. I just, he's a great comedian. It's not very funny on podcasts. It's very upsetting to me. It's funny how the two of them don't really translate sometimes. All right, next up, we go to Baskin and Phelps as the two of them talked about Ohio State and the game. There is a possibility, and while well, it could be a far one, that no matter – it depends on how – the total restructure of the Big Ten goes down, but could it not be possible to have Ohio if you keep it in its current format at Thanksgiving that you could have Ohio State, Michigan at Thanksgiving? You could conceivably have them playing in a Big Ten championship game if they decide to continue on with that in the future. And then what happens with the expanded playoffs? I mean, it's extremely arrogant for me to say this, but you could have Ohio State, Michigan three weeks in a row or three out of four weeks in a row. Why is that arrogant for you to say? Because I'm assuming that Ohio State and Michigan are going to be the two best teams in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's a fair assumption, though. You know, uh, Baskin, very similar to what uh, Brendan Gulick said yesterday with us on, uh, and you can go back and Odyssey Rewind and go listen to that. It's on the website. I think the headline even was, the idea that Ohio State and Michigan could play each other three times is crazy. And, and they're both right. It's part of the reason why I don't mind the idea of moving the game. Everyone's trying to advocate for keeping the game. How about we make the game matter the most? I hate the idea of them playing back-to-back weeks even, like what would have happened last year without divisions. I thought it was so dumb in getting rid of divisions how you're going to have these two match up end of the season and then potentially in the Big Ten title game. And I know Michigan's beaten the most recent Big Ten titles by a score of, I think the actual score is like 85-13 or something, but we can just call it a million to nothing. They've just destroyed the Big Ten title games, and uh, that's fine. you got to find a way to fix that. I get that. But ultimately, I know you want three straight. You don't really want three straight. Even I would be like, Blake Corum again? All right, fine. Let's line this thing up. Well, what did we learn from the other two? It's like a whole season's worth of Michigan-Ohio State. It sounds fun. Same way eating pizza 35 days in a row sounds fun until you actually do it. All right, next up, Nick on popcorn. Mac. Don't even get on the microphone on this. You're not defending yourself. This is a bad take. Said that he likes the aisle seat at movie theaters, which I think puts you on an FBI watch list. So just reel that all the way in. Yeah. I'd really like it if I couldn't really see the screen head on and if it was like uncomfortable and I had to torque my body to watch a three-hour Christopher Nolan masterpiece. So that's one. I don't remember the second one. But the third one is that Jack's... Young sweet boy, 
board op here doesn't like popcorn. I don't understand. If you say, you know what, Orville Redenbacher doesn't do it for me at home because it's not movie theater popcorn level. I totally agree. The only good warm popcorn, freshly cooked popcorn, well, there's kettle cooked. If you've had that at like a fair, that's pretty good. But it's movie theater. Every time I try and recreate it at home, it's just inferior. It doesn't do the same thing for me. So I'll agree that warm popcorn, the best is from movie theaters and nothing compares to that. But to say I just don't like popcorn, I fundamentally don't understand what is there. It's it's light, it's airy, it's delicious, it's buttery, it's salty, it's goody. Like what what don't you like about it? Goody should have made the Friday fails. Just going to put that out there. Goody should have made the Friday fails. Uh, I'm with Nick, though. What's not to love about popcorn? First time in seven years. Brought a bag of popcorn to the studio and had no idea today was going to be all about popcorn. I like all sorts of different kinds of popcorn. I'm not the biggest movie theater must-have popcorn guy, though. I have to admit that to you guys. There's not something in my brain that goes, I'm at the movie theater. I need popcorn. The thing that goes off in my brain is, I'm not paying movie theater prices for any of this food. That's what goes off in my brain. But historically, if I'm going to get anything, like as a child, as an adult, I don't get anything. But as a child, I used to always get snow caps. Snow caps absolutely rock. And the only time people eat snow caps is at the movie theater. I never see anyone out in public just popping open a box of snow caps. I've never once seen it. I've never, you know how many situations I've been here where like Dustin offers candy, he'll offer like lemon heads or Sour Patch Kids. There was a time where I'm pretty sure we went through every candy downstairs with people offering each other all sorts of candy. I've never once seen anyone be like, hey, throw me a couple of those snow caps. They're great, but they, they belong in a movie theater and only a movie theater. So I'd always get snow caps and that was it. Uh, never popcorn at the movie theater, but I do buy it for home. All right, next up, Ken and Anthony on elite quarterbacks. Here we go. You and I got, kind of got contentious with each other. Let me go back to it. You wanted me to define elite yes. for a second. What would it mean for Deshaun Watson? Not right. just numbers, because it's well, easy. We throw out numbers all my, the time. This is my, and I don't think you're going to do this week one, by the way. I don't think you're going to do it week one. So don't don't be calling me up on Monday if the Browns lose that Sunday against Cincinnati and come after me. Don't say that. What elite is, elite is a relationship. That's what elite quarterbacks are. Record this and send it to everybody. Elite is a relationship. It is trust it's not numbers it's not fantasy points that's not what elite is elite is we're down our defense messed up we did not scheme for this right they 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 out schemed us here at the beginning we're down 14 nothing can you take us down the field yes it's a relationship it's trust it's i put the ball in your hands and you just threw a stupid interception because every quarterback in america in the world is going to throw a stupid pick once or twice in their life. It's, you just threw a bad interception. We're here in the third quarter. It's still a two-possession game. I'm going to put the ball right back in your hands because you're going to be able to make up for that pick and you're going to be able to lead us down there and get us back within three. That's what it is. All That's what a lead is. It's guys you trust. Yeah, Ken's right. 100% right. It's not, we went through some of the stats and numbers earlier. It's not about the stats. Any quarterback out there, now, Mahomes did lead a lot of the numbers this last year, but there's years where he's been the best quarterback, anointed, and not been the best quarterback from a statistical standpoint. But you never got to a game late where you thought Mahomes won't deliver. You never got to a game late where you thought Joe Burrow is going to be anything short of awesome when we need this third down. 
And that's what I think makes the elite quarterbacks. Those type of guys that when you need them to deliver, they deliver in spades. All right, leave that there. We come on back. Kevin Zafanski talked about Juan Thornhill, and he did so in such a way that I just can't get along with. I'll explain what that is. We got off the beaten path coming your way at 940. It's overtime with Jonathan Beatle here with you on The Fan. 